ready to die. It's baby, baby Biggie in a diaper. You're it was that was there. a tight cover though. It was stylized. I, I it was, get it. Matter of fact, we could do a subject on Bad Boy design from the early nineties. His, you know, Bad Boy design was right. always tight. Yeah, well. Come on, round table. Let's go. Yeah, one twelve. So do we think? Incredible. Anyway, round table. Let's go. Round table. Do we? Round table. Cool. So you can hear me, but you're ignoring me anyway. No worries. (laughs) Welcome to the B side. Scoop. Isaac, Jahan, Arthur, the music snobs. Welcome to episode 30 of the Music Snobs podcast. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. On September 24th, 1991, both the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana simultaneously released seminal classics in the alternative rock genre. Red Hot Chili Peppers released Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic, and Nirvana released Nevermind. Scoop, have you heard Nevermind yet? Oh, yeah, it? I did. I finally, okay, yeah. Because I, I played the, Luther. Yeah. I listened to that right. several times. All right, okay. Okay. But now here's the thing, though. They both released these albums on the same day, but only Nevermind was imitated for decades to come. So what was it about the Chili Peppers album that just did not have that kind of traction? Because both albums were successful. They, they, they both won Grammys, right, John? Massively successful. Yeah. Both of them are diamonds, certified diamonds. Yeah. Both 10 million worldwide. Before we dive deep, too deep into it, I'll just, why are we saying that Blood Sugar Sex Magic wasn't influential? Are we saying it wasn't imitated? Or we say, is there a difference between imitated and influential or what? I can explain, Isaac. There's no album out there before or after Blood Sugar Sex Magic that sounds like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Mm. And I'm not talking, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, I'm not trying to be extreme. There isn't any other funk rock album out there. There's nothing that, for a lover of blood sugar sex magic, you can't point to anything else to say, right, if you like that, go listen to this. There's nothing. Yeah, you answered my question. You're talking about imitated instead of influential. Because, yeah, I, 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 you're saying that nothing has imitated. No one has successfully imitated it. I agree with you. I, I'm, you know, you guys are much more experts on this, on the rock genre than I am. But I would say that, just to throw my little two cents in real quick, I would say that, you know, the Chili Peppers are so unique in their sound, especially Anthony Kiedis, even the way he delivers vocals. Even Everything about them is just so unique. I don't think any other group could, you know, saying do this successfully. When I hear Nevermind, I hear 
them starting, you know, they were the spark that ignited something. But you're right. I've heard many a group sound like, you know what I'm saying, or try to sound like Nirvana. I don't think any group can sound like the Chili Peppers. I just don't. But, but Isaac, to throw it right back at you, the Chili Peppers never repeated this. But why? That's the question, man. I mean, nothing the Chili Peppers have done since Blood Sugar sounds Sounded remotely like, like Blood right. Sugar. Yep, that's true. And they've had the same producer the entire time. Mm-hmm. Rick Rubin produced Blood Sugar, but he also produced One Hot Minute. He also produced Californification. He produced By The Way. He produced Stadium Arcadium. None of them sound like Blood Sugar. I give him credit for that, though, because it was saying that we nailed this. We're not going to go backwards. We're going to move towards a new sound. Yeah, we've already done it. And they're and they creative enough. You know, and it's, it's hard to, like, you know, you talk about Anthony Cadiz, but to me, you know, the backbone of that group is still Flea. So it's hard right. to, like, pigeonhole him to continue to do the same thing. You know, he's going to, like, just musically continue to take chances and stretch those boundaries. So that's what I think. And once if we're asking, where are you going to find another one? Where are you going to find another Flea? Oh, well, there, are, there are other great bassists out there. I mean, but no, but I'm not. I don't I, think Jahan, I didn't say great. I'm saying where you can find another fleet. There are you other. Ta- well, he's not even the greatest bassist out I there. I didn't bro. say greatest. I'm just <laughs> talking about the uniqueness. Yeah, somebody, yeah, somebody's unique. Right. They've, and it's, it's, it's notable that they have replaced several members of that group, except for, I think, Anthony and Flea are the only ones that have been. Yeah. There okay, but they've never. Well, that's. I don't. You're incorrect. Chad Smith is not the original drummer, but Chad Smith is 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 OG. I mean, yeah, he's the, he's the, definitely the trio OG. of Kiedis, Flea, and and Chad Smith. Chad Smith and Flea are probably going to go down in history as the greatest as the greatest rhythm section in rock and roll. Flea makes them a funk band that fronts as a rock outfit, and that's all I'm trying to say is where are you going to find another one? We talk about trying to sound people recreating that sound and imitate them where you that's where it starts to me i'm never saying he's the greatest i'm just saying that's the hardest thing to try to do is try to find i don't know man i don't know i mean i think they're chasing it i think that they would want to go back to that level of critical acclaim if nothing else that album is the benchmark it's the sort of recipe for who the chili peppers are in in a lot of music fans eyes anyway it might not have the pop sensibilities of later albums, but it's still the one that's respected. It's still the one that in all interviews or reviews is held up as, you know, we're going to review this new product in comparison to Blood Sugar. And also, I think you guys may be a bit incorrect here. I don't think Chili Pepper members get replaced. I think they, they leave or they die. It's sort of that simple. And I think when they leave, is you know, there's definitely a sort of animosity or a drug sort of related... Well, that's what I meant. I said that... Well, I, I don't know. I mean, Kaidis is the leader of the band, sure, but, but I think Frischiante is probably the most important in, in at least the Blood Sugar iteration. Okay, well, no, 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 no. Didn't he leave as well after this? He he left immediately after it. Okay. Let me ask you, Breaking the Girl in uh, the other, I think it's Under, under, the, the, br- bridge. under the Bridge... Those two songs alone, would you say that they never repeated that particular sound of those two songs? Yeah, completely. So in Californication, none of the none of that sounded Nothing anything like, like that, Breaking no. the Girl or Under the Bridge. Nothing like that. No, I agree. Nothing like that. You know, but I think also what needs to be said is that we're focusing a lot on, you know, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. But the question is not why that hadn't been repeated, but why Nevermind was yeah, yeah. why that, that right. and not chili pepper? Exactly. My my theory is 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 that as much and as different as the sound that was being created by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, 
at that time, and I'm speaking just at that time, they were not considered a quote-unquote new sound. They were still considered and labeled, and we talk about labels on the show all the time and how, how dangerous that can be. They were still considered rock. Chili Peppers? Yes. Mm-hmm. Grunge was a, almost like a subculture. Right. And, and Nirvana was put at the center of almost being the godfathers of an entire new musical movement. That was something that was considered hip, something new, something that had a centerpiece where you knew it was coming. It was coming from Seattle. You knew exactly what was going on there. I think that's why, you know, Nevermind has has been considered more influential than what the Red Hot Chili Peppers did at that time. Uh, uh, Metallica had dropped an album. The Black Album. Pearl Jam had dropped the album. The month before, in the month of August, Pearl Jam and Metallica had dropped albums too. I think Chili Peppers almost a victim of a, of a, of a almost over-consolidation of rock music at the time. So they got lumped in there where I don't think Nirvana got lumped into that rock, quote unquote, classic or new sounding rock. They were on something different. They were labeled something different. And that's where I think the influence comes from. You know, and also keep in mind, if we're being very honest about this conversation, you know, even though he died later, the death of Kurt years later yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. almost yeah. turned Nevermind into a martyr within itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think Nevermind yeah. captured the angst of that generation in 1991 you had the gulf war as the subtext Mm -hmm. you had a very whatever just whatever spirit going around with 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 late teens and 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 into 20 somethings you know musically metallica dropping their album you had talked about there was the end of the hair metal bands through the 80s Mm -hmm. you know it's really it's really a tale about two cities the chili peppers are an la band straight up and they mm-hmm. come from the ilk of like a fishbone or suicidal tendencies. Mm-hmm. It's a hybrid edge, a clash of cultures or a melding of cultures. And the Chili Peppers had this strike of, of funk that Flea brought and a hard rock edge that Frisconti brought in his guitars, but also that Chad Smith brought in his drumming. And hip hop. Yeah, hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to uh, the producers now, but bringing in Rick Rubin, who had a hip-hop foundation, but also had just done the Colts Electric album in 1988. And he'd also been working on um, the three Danzig albums on his own American label. So he had this hard rock edge to this hybrid uh, uh, hip-hop, was able to refine the Pepper sound so that you can more clearly you know, hear the instruments, first of all. The right. production level was, was that much better. But it did not, it didn't, the album didn't speak to a culture that was happening in America. The and way I think, that never and mind. And I think that never mind spoke to that. And video has a lot to do with it. Let's not, let's not, let's think, think about the video in a way right. that uh, uh, um, uh, Nirvana was presented at the time. That look, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There, there was no stylization to the presentation. <laughs> there, of was no huh? there, there was no style. No, 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 there was no yeah, stylization to it. It was straight, dirty, straight gun, grunge, Kurt Cobain, just dirty blonde hair. Everything was black and white. It, you know, it really captured, like you said, the angst and the feel of what the music scene was coming out of Seattle. Yeah. You know, the stylization of the Chili Peppers was totally different. And I think at that point in time, you had that subculture. That once again, I, th- I think it's more angst than it is music. I think just that feeling, that angst was captured mm. right there. Okay, but that what, was more what? powerful because yes, because I think you're right. You know what, Scoop? I never thought about it. I've always, in coming up with this topic, it's it's always been a question that's close to my heart, and I've never, I've always wanted more music like Blood Sugar. I think that might be it because ultimately, all the all the Chili Peppers were talking about was women. But it's also complex Good music, point. though. Good I mean, point. it's also complex music. There are multiple time signatures with, within oh. within some songs also. And, you know, you had to, not that you had to sit and, and study the album, but you had to engage in Blood Sugar yeah. Sex Magic in Absolutely. order to really get something out of it. Right. You didn't have to do that with Nevermind. I mean, what Cobain was able to do with those songs, I mean, they were very simple melodies, but they were very unique and catchy but, in the combination. But it sounds like, in listening to what we're saying, though, it sounds like we're saying, okay, which album had the biggest cultural impact? The question is that, about this imitation are we what albums who who imitated nirvana successfully who invented no excuse oh, me well, bands who, Im, who imitated Soundgarden's one yeah, of, who Sound imitated Soundgarden, this album Poe Jam yep. okay hold on whoa, 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 whoa. what album imitated this album successfully or, or successfully hang on I don't because that's my that's you know, my point no, with the questions you know that we're saying well, no, I don't no, no, think no, that's hold the right on, question John, John hold on wait a minute wait a minute we're saying that or Nevermind was imitated. I'm going to read it directly from it. It says Nevermind was imitated for decades to come. Yes. So we're saying that Blood Sugar Sex Magic wasn't imitated for decades to come. Correct. So that's, th- there seems to be some fault in that because there are groups who try to imitate Blood Sugar Sex Magic. They just weren't successful at it. No, no. No one is saying that there is a brilliant version of a Nirvana Nevermind out there. We're saying that loads of bands, commercial, commercially successful bands, tried to imitate Nirvana's aesthetic, tried to imitate Nirvana's vibe, tried to imitate Nirvana's sound. No one did that with Blood Sugar Sex Magic. So, and I'm not an expert on Linkin Park, but we would say Linkin Park has not tried to imitate that rock, hip-hop, you know, sensibility? Not with the funk vibe, no. So missing the funk. Yeah. And, and you know what, Scoop? You're right again. That goes back to Flea. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Go right. back to Flea. And, and, and Frusciante. Because, Arthur, you mentioned that Frusciante had the hard rock guitar. Yeah. Again, again, I disagree. I think in the beginning, in fact, Frusciante is on record as saying he played against intention on Mother's Milk. The way he was playing on Mother's Milk, he didn't want to play like that. He wanted to play in a more funk-based style. But he was told to play a sort of heavier sound, a heavy metal sound, because he was a young kid. This is like his first recording with the Chili Peppers. He was ecstatic to be there. They just fired Dwayne McKnight from Parliament. He he just did what the producer asked. Then Ruben came along and said, no, 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 play how you want to play. And then he started playing the more funky style. So there really isn't that much of a hard rock element 
to his guitar playing on Blood Sugar is much less of much less than you would expect in that genre. I mean, I don't I don't disagree with that, but that that doesn't speak to the fact that that Frusciante had a had a rock sensibility about him. I mean, at the end of yeah, at definitely. the very at the very tail end of of Give It Away, probably the Chili Peppers' biggest song ever, right? Along with Under the Bridge, yeah. Frusciante he quotes Tony Iommi's lick from Sweet Leaf, Black Side of Sweet Leaf, for like eight bars. As, a, as, as, as almost as a homage, as, a, as, as right. like a flag to say that we are about rock and roll. But that's, what, that, that's my point is that they get lumped in. You know, there's yeah. nothing on Nevermind you can point to directly to say, all right, this is a great, this is a specific homage or a specific, you know, uh, a sample mm-hmm. of this particular sign. It was, it was, that's why Chili Peppers got lumped into that yeah. rock situation as opposed to being a whole separate I think you're movie. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're For right. For that reason alone, right, right there. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that Butch Vig, the producer of, of Nevermind, from Chicago. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Helped shape that sound also. And, you know, they called Vig because Vig had just done Gish from the Smashing Pumpkins. Was that more him than just a band evolving? Because yeah, we can go through all type of things. You look at artists like early work and you see where they like over one or two period, they just evolve into I, something. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you refinement, but I don't think there was anything. I mean, Nirvana, they, they just... Druggy kids. Yeah. You know, had talent. I mean, Dave Grohl, which is like, which is like Rock's Quest Love, you know, was a great drummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, who exact who exactly does rim shots on a rock and roll record? Right. <laughs> you know, you listen to Lithium, you know what I mean? And it's like a great textbook example of what Nirvana's sound is like. They're 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 simple melodies and you don't necessarily you can't put your finger on why what it is about about the music about the melody that's really capturing you mm-hmm. you know what I mean but it does but it does Sunday mornings every day for all I care I'm not scared that my candles in our days cause I found God I mean, still, but I'm talking about the evolution of sound. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, all right, we have to not try to sound like this. You know, and I don't, I don't necessarily know what's going on in Seattle at the time, but there was a feel that it was something different happening. I think so, because the only thing I knew about mm-hmm. Seattle was Mix-A-Lot. Right. But I was down there a lot because, you know, dealing with the NBA and dealing with this, you know, the Seattle Supersonics and, you know, covering games or whatever. They had a culture down there that was different than any place else in the country. You know, so there was a feel. So I think Nirvana understood that they were at the forefront of, of almost like a musical movement. Yeah. You know, and what mm-hmm. I'm saying about evolving is that, all right, if, if you're at the cusp of maybe creating something, but then you're, you're living it every day and you're getting there and people are, the shows that you do, you know, you're kind of gravitating towards being at the front of something new and nobody's exactly getting it. Do you evolve into a situation as a band where you want to be the maestros of this sound? I don't, I don't think they made that choice though I think that's just who they are okay. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was a conscious choice and before you start out there I think that and I agree with you Scoop because in 1991 first of all I didn't listen to Nevermind in 91 I listened to it years later it wasn't my music you know it wasn't my type of music I wanted to listen to in 91 I did listen to Chili Peppers a lot 
to your point though, I think that Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, it captures something. First of all, in hip hop, it captures something that was actually happening right mm -hmm. then. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It sounded like a homage to current hip hop of 1991. Mm -hmm. So it got me, you know what I'm saying, at that moment. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the spark of a movement, though. Like right. you said, it wasn't anything that was moving forward. In fact, it was also a, a funk homage. You, you know, Sir Psycho Sexy was a mm -hmm. George Clinton song. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It mm -hmm. was like, and it was it was a brilliant George Clinton song to me. It was like, it was, mm -hmm. it was unbelievable, but it wasn't like they were venturing off into some new sound. You know what I'm saying? It was, a, it was kind of a blend of like three or four different sounds. It captured me at the moment, but I will say I agree with you guys, and I think you found the answer in that Nevermind was the start of something new uh, moving forward. Um, I think you made a fantastic point, actually, Isaac. I never thought about that before, but you're right. The fact that Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, that whole Cali West Coast, early 90s funk sound was, was huge at that time, but it changed very, very quickly, right? And then after 94, 95, that started to slide down, that started to slide away. So by the time, by the time that the Chili Peppers found a new guitarist, Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction, who was actually a rock guitarist and decidedly not a funk guitarist, couldn't do the stuff that Frischante was going to do. He got fired that, eventually, didn't he? Um, I think he left. He did, you know, he was on the album. He's on uh, One Hot Minute. But, um, but I think you're right. By that time, that hip-hop landscape had changed. It changed completely. And, in you know, I, I don't even think it's a case of talent. I think it's that... It's the landscape, so the landscape of both the hip-hop context at that time, which was short-lived, and the landscape of the Seattle grunge, angst, aesthetic, a scoop, you know, very, very well pointed out. And also the chemistry of the band. Like, that particular band at that time, they had a chemistry. And, you know, they, they hired, like I said, Dwayne McKnight from, from P-Funk before Frischiante joined. And he's a great, great guitarist. Exactly what they would want, exactly the, the genre that they were looking for. And they fired him because he just didn't have the chemistry. Mm. They just felt that he didn't gel with the band as a person. And then they got Frischiante and Frischiante had been playing all through high school, had been basically playing in Chili Pepper tribute bands. And he was just, you know, an excited little kid to get the chance to work with his heroes. And they had that chemistry and it went from there. Hip hop has been mentioned a couple of times just recently. And I, I, I don't want us, because I can hear people listening to this. I don't want to be lost at also on this day that we're talking about Tribe Called Quest released Low End Theory. So. Right, 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 right. Good point. Jeez, what, what a day. Because hip hop has been mentioned in this conversation on this exact same day. How about yeah. saying, these two albums have dropped. And we don't, what do, we ha do we have days like that anymore? I don't no. Know. no. Yeah, that doesn't happen. What anymore. a day. You don't even have years like that anymore. <laughs> right, 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 right. So on the same day, Low End Theory was just, we talking about three albums in one day. So before anybody gets on, like, how y'all forget this? Whole... No, we that, got it. That, it was... To Jahan's point, though, that speaks because that was part of that shift back to the East Coast. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. From that point on, you know, and then you had Illmatic and all these other things happening. Right. And Biggie had Blood Sugar Sex Magic come out, you know, in 95. You know what I'm saying? Would it, would it have hit the way it hit? I don't, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Because I think Scoop made a really good point about the Peppers getting lost in the genre, getting lumped into a rock I think genre. Lumped in. And I believe that rock was on a tail end because, you know, around this time, Guns N' Roses were kind of a mess. They put out Use Your Illusion, the two albums. Um, uh, Those were good albums. Is well, no, but I'm saying the, the disintegration of the band had started to happen. Okay. Guns N' Roses was the death knell of the, of the hair bands 
from the 80s. Yeah, and that's who, and, Red, and that's who Chili Peppers went a fight with to, for Pazir. And, and Metallica putting out the Black Album, even though they weren't an L.A. band, they're actually from San Francisco, mm-hmm. they were considered an L.A. band. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't really know where to put the Peppers in because they were so different. Right. And I think that, that audience fatigue was settling in. You know, Nirvana came, completely different sound, yeah. uh, much more accessible. Mm-hmm. And actually spoke to that whatever mentality that was happening. It's very similar. You, you talked about the funk situation. To me, this situation is very similar to what George Clinton and Parliament went through when they released uh, Mothership Connection. Mm. You know, they had done albums like this before. He had done Funkadelic before, but for some reason, Mothership Connection is very similar to, to be the centerpiece of where people like all of a sudden associate where funk started from. You know, say so people were doing funk before that, but that just captured. It captured everything, and never mind captured grunge at that moment. You know what I'm saying? It was a different. It was just a totally different sound. You know, I believe, I believe that if the Chili Peppers had stayed together in that incarnation, they might have followed suit with something at least much closer to the aesthetic of Blood Sugar. Because the reason they split was that um, John Frusciante couldn't take the fame. Mm-hmm. He wasn't happy with the level of fame that the group were getting and he wasn't happy with the reception, with this kind of stadium arena reception that blood sugar received and you know you got to remember this kid was he was a kid he was this is his first outing after mother's milk which is a very very small kind of independent almost label record and he couldn't take it and he felt that they were basically in his mind selling out and just as a side note here or as a footnote here i advocate that everybody check on youtube the 1992 saturday night live performance of under the bridge where Frischiante plays his heart out, plays beautifully, very, very soulfully, but it's like he's trying to sabotage Kaidis. It's like he's <laughs> trying to say, this is what I want to play. Mm. This is what I should be doing. You can't hang. Kaidis, by the end of the performance, is on the other side of the stage with Flea. And he's giving Frischiante, like if looks could kill, boy, 
that look is is lethal mm-hmm. and I think that they had lost that chemistry at that point they're also all into drugs and you know Frischkante had started heroin etc at that point but if they had stayed together if Frischkante hasn't left if Kaidas hadn't got hooked on heroin and gone back to Grand Rapids etc if they hadn't waited to two or three years later to record a follow-up we might have got something closer from them because that chemistry wouldn't have split that group wouldn't have split and the climate wouldn't have changed completely by the time they returned. It, it, on the premise of what you just said, Jahan, he split because of the, of the fame that came behind mm-hmm. Blood Sugar. I, I, I don't think there's anything on that album that they could have predicted was going to blow up the way like Give It Away did. Mm-hmm. Or Under the Bridge. Or Under yeah. the Bridge, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was going to happen eventually because... It's, you can't really predict unless you purposely do it what songs or what music is going to resonate Absolutely. with a large audience so even if they had stayed together if that's the premise on which you live it was going to happen because if they kept creating music like that at some point something was going to pop Under the Bridge is the perfect example of that because the record label couldn't figure out what track to release as a single so they came to a Chili Pepper concert and Kaidis missed the cue for Under the Bridge. He missed his vocal cue for the first line. And he thought he'd messed up in front of the executives. He was devastated. But when he missed the cue, the whole audience started singing the song. <laughs> and the label was like, that's the single. That's, that's the, the one. Yeah. Good point. Good insight. I know we got to move on, but real quick, just to, and this kind of dovetails with a uh, kind of compliment Scoop's uh, flea point. Just, you know, Chili Peppers notwithstanding, not themselves, I think that if you look at other groups, imitating that blood sugar sex magic i don't see another group of white musicians who's going to go that far down the funk rabbit hole as uh chili peppers did mm. the hip-hop rabbit hole yes you know what I'm saying that was the music at the time mm-hmm. but for them to what other group of white musicians is going to be that into funk you know what i'm saying point. to go funk and hip-hop two different things oh, yeah. so if you aren't in a funk you may mistake what you're hearing as hip-hop you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And think because you've been listening to samples for the last five to six years. But if you are not in the funk, you know, you're not going to do that Sir Psycho song. You know what I'm saying? There's a whole bunch of music on here. You're not going to be able to perform because you can't go that far down the it funk rabbit go, hole. I, it won't go. I think white musicians will do it. It won't come from rock, though, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A, yeah. a group yeah, of yeah, white yeah. rock no, no, musicians. Yeah. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Who are going to go that, that you far? Know, and, it's, and, it's not going to Black or white, right? Black or white. What group of musicians. Well, hip hop is on rock. That, yeah, exactly. I think a black yeah. rock band will come around and, and no, I think and a black hip hop foundation. Band at that time. A, yeah, know, but a, producer. a group, a group of musicians who are raised on rock, all their influences primarily, their you know their first name influences rock. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, some, that's what yeah. I think makes this album, you yeah. know, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, so unique is that that funk element. You know, I've often heard people say rock ain't nothing but the blues. Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, with that funk element. It's got that blues vibe to it. And I'm not talking about rhythm and blues. I'm not talking about, you know, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters. Just that aesthetic, that concept, which Nevermind doesn't have. It's got blues in terms of a lyrical context, but not in terms of a sound or an aesthetic. You mean, you're talking about Nevermind? That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why, you know, I had to be honest. In 91, I like Teen Spirit, you know, I thought was interesting. The video I thought was interesting. I thought the video was hilarious. You know what I'm saying? It was just like these kids jumping around. I thought it was funny. But 
I was not checking for that album because it just didn't speak to me at that time. So it was like I I, I knew it was a hit. Same here. Among, speak to me. Uh, among the white kids I went to school with, they loved it. You know what I'm saying? But I it wasn't you know so Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I was all over that. You know what I'm saying? So but it, it it took me some years to listen to it, and I can respect it now for what it is. But it's it's funny because even the artwork of Blood Sugar Sex Magic is more iconic than the artwork. But never mind. Now I think you the think artwork. Never mind. Hold up. Wait. 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 Don't wait. All right. Make your point. Make your point. Make your point. Wait. 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 Make your point. Make your point. The artwork for Nevermind is iconic because of the album. If neither of these albums existed, I don't think that the artwork for Nevermind on its own, that photo itself, would be iconic. I agree. Okay. I agree. Hundred percent. I agree. Way to clean it up. I agree. Which for me in 1991 was more reason not for me to buy that album when I saw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, a, a baby floating in water. Uh, you know, these people are crazy. <laughs> but if you look at the artwork for Blood Sugar, I mean it's beautiful. It's like it's like a yeah. tattoo. Firstly, yeah. And then the inner sleeve, which was actually designed by Gus Van Sant. I mean, you know who who hires Gus Van Sant to design an inner sleeve? <laughs> Not the front cover, but the inner sleeve for your record. That inner sleeve then showed in photographic detail each one of their tattoos. The lyrics were all handwritten by Kaidis for the inner sleeve. Beautiful. Roundtable. In the vein of Get On Up, tell us the song lyric you would title your life story with. Which is a horrible title for a movie. Yeah. Of all the titles they could have come up with for a James Brown movie, Get On Up, and then they rated it PG-13. Don't. Uh, I mean, what's love got to do with it is a terrible title, too. Any any song title on a movie is terrible. I mean, it got to be the right song, though. I mean, that was kind of apropos to her story, though. Yeah. Okay. Get on up. <laughs> <laughs> get on up. There's, you for know. For the man that could get on, for real, get on up. Yeah, it's like Out of all the things they had to choose yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah, that's... Did you see the film? No, I haven't seen it yet. I would have called it Doing It to Death. Thank you. Something, yeah, anything. And no one would have seen the movie. Get On Up <laughs> at least gets people into the theaters. <laughs> they need more people than music fans to see this movie to make it commercially viable. Listen to the marketer. Now, I got you. No, I, 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 yeah, he's, he's correct. I'm just saying as a James Brown, you know, aficionado, enthusiast. It automatically tells and this, you something. And this is his buyout. Yeah, it tells you something. And that in the PG-13 right. rating tells you something. Exactly. All right. So, yeah. what's, your, so what's, what's our biopic? What's the song title that you would like to be the title of your autobiography? Who wants to go first? Other than me, I don't want to go first. Me neither. Because mine's kind of bad. Oh. <laughs> me either. Oh, I'll go, I'll go first then. To me, this is a great question. I'll just put it out there. I thought it was a great question because mm-hmm. it's a hard mm-hmm. question to answer. I did one for me alive and one for me dead. Alive, This Is Me by Common. And dead was um, The Love Below. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. The love below that's that's wild. But like, go back. Feet, this is me. Under. This is me. Yeah, that's a much softer title I know, than I would ever look, think to. I know, but that those are not it. Those are the ones I came up with. The one that overrode all that. The one song for me, period, title wise, for my documentary life, you could put on my headstone. Fay Band by Screwball. It's an acronym. <laughs> F A Y B A N. <laughs> Okay, what is it? Tell me that. Fuck all y'all bitch ass niggas. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Fuck all y'all 
bitch ass niggas from my heart Everybody talking shit, but nobody wanna start Straight from QB, original shit starter Welcome me back like Carter My three pounds every revolver Make you a part of the pavement quickly Laying there, a pool of blood Poet engraved in your forehead Your crew came, but they all dead They in the meat market, chilling with the boss head Straight up and down, I'm here to knock you out the box Words in my pop, sell records like I sold rocks Y'all bitch ass niggas, I'll meet you at the top Don't try to give me no love, cause my shit's blazing hot Now wait a minute though, going back I'm trying to picture, God forbid anything happens to you, but Let's say years, decades in the future You're gone I tell Tracy, hey He wants Fabian on his, <laughs> on his F dot A dot What are you giving a. me to fight? Because I'm sure she's not going to be with that What? You know what I'm saying? What? I, I will play her this show ahead of time And say, look, when this time comes Here we go Fabian if, if, any, if, any, if, if anybody writes my autobiography Here you go Play this at my funeral <laughs> So in the dust jacket or the preface, are you going to define exactly who your B dot, A dot, N dots are? Or? I'm going to tell you like my grandmother told me. If there's, a, if there's a backyard full of dogs and you take a brick and throw it into the backyard, the only dog that's going to scream is the, brick, is the one that gets hit by the brick. So the bitch-ass niggas know. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to preface. They, they know. <laughs> they know. Wow. Shit, you might be one of them. <laughs> oh. Wow, it's like that. Okay. Uh, if you gotta ask, if, if you, gotta you gotta ask, but if you gotta ask, <laughs> let's move on. I had several, but I guess if I had to be bluntly honest, I think that the one to describe, because I think a bio is supposed to describe your journey, basically, right? So, or at least in my eyes, I think that's what a bio does. So, if I had to choose one of the twenty that are listed on my notebook right here, I would say searching. It's probably the the number one. And to be quite honest, the first time I heard searching, it wasn't the Roy Ayers joint. It was uh Pete Rock and CL Smooth sample. That was the oh. first that was the first time I heard so it. So you now, never heard the Luke Evangelos? No, no, no. no, I heard yeah, Change, I heard that. Uh, was, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying I went back and listened okay. to Roy Ayers after I heard the Pete Rock, you know, when I was a teenager or right. whatever. But I say searching because as a writer, as an artist, I think that's what you do. saying it's like you never you never really capture everything you're searching for but that's part of the journey that's that's the reason why you keep doing what you're doing because if you were to capture it you would stop so you continue to to search to look for to find all these unanswerable questions that you keep coming up with and then you really you write about the question you know what I'm saying so searching I think would be the apropos name for my bio now if somebody else were to name it that you know like one of you guys were to say okay you know what would we call Isaac's bio I'm sure it would be different than that but for me that's the most accurate description of what you know what I do see I would have said find you forever that's that, but that's close though that's yeah, a good that's, that's what I'm saying on, on yeah, the same frame knowing you the way I do yeah, I would have yeah. gone with something like it's not find you forever yeah. I was you know I was also like it was written my way 
uh, I wanted Rebel without a pause. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what one. I really want. <laughs> Yours would be Rebel with a pause button. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> would you be comfortable choosing a song title purely on the fact that the title is a good title, but the song is whack? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I would change it. Okay. You know, if if I had, if I could write in my autobiography or as a preface to the film, say, hey, yeah, that song was whack, but this is why why I chose it. Okay. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's more about the title than it is. What the title speaks to, not necessarily yeah. the song. Especially a song like "Searching," you have so many inner. You know, I mean, the original was great, so we're cool with that. But mm-hmm. you have other people interpreting songs mm-hmm. and doing different mm-hmm. versions of it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'd be hundred percent cool with that. Okay. When it's all said and done, I you know if I if I'm fortunate enough that somebody's gonna do a bio on me, actually I don't want anybody to do a bio on me. But if somebody did do a bio on me, I hope it'd be something like a, a quote for something I wrote. You know, what I'm saying that's the dopest. Yeah, you know, yeah. that that's the dopest thing you can hope for. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, okay, Arturo. Uh, my choice is um, "Keep Him Like He Is" by Sarita by Sarita Wright. Oh, that's dope. Dope. That's dope. Dope. That's dope. Uh, <laughs> you win. What's wrong with Arthur? Y'all feel bad now. Nothing's wrong with Arthur. <laughs> Keep him you as win. he is. You win. Because I thought that, um, you know, it's you know the song itself is it kind of starts out by the uh, by by the creator looking down on its creation and seeing everything is all you know fine and dandy, but wants to add some spice to it. So the creator creates a man, the human, and um, you know figures that uh, despite some imperfections, um, he's going to keep him like he is. And I think that life events change all of us, of course. Um, but um, I, I, I think I think so far throughout my life, and hopefully I'm, I'm you know, 40% of the way through. But I, I think that uh, even with the, the life events that I've experienced, um, I've fundamentally stayed the same, um, with the same kind of quirks. Uh, maybe not some of the same kinds of worries, but I still, you know, overthink and over worry and and you know ramble like i'm doing now and but for the most part i stayed i've stayed the same you know quirky person that i am so i think i think that would be a good uh, that's a great that's a great you win that's a good endpoint. that's a really really good one so but you know hi uk i can't really follow that one because that was so good but all right so um the song title the this song title that i would choose to be the name of my autobiography I do have a rationale for this, but it it shouldn't really need too much um, too much explanation. Is um, I didn't mean to turn you on, <laughs> Arthur. You just lost. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Sherelle version or the Robert Palmer version? Oh no no no, Robert. In fact, in fact, I think the title of the autobiography should in fact be, I didn't mean to turn you on, the Robert Palmer version. <laughs> <laughs> Self-explanatory. So you just, every day, you just go through life turning people on. Yeah. Man, I, I don't make the rules, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, me and Arthur's were very low on the egotism. You and Scoops was like off the chart, <laughs> which, re, which tells a lot, you know, kind of reflects accurately some things. I didn't mean to turn you on. <laughs> I, I, I don't think mine is drifting ego. Just being, I look. Yours is a middle finger to the world. Not to the whole world, to... but it, look, if y'all, how many bitch ass niggas y'all know? <laughs> A bunch. <laughs> And that's a full lid on episode 30 of the Music Snobs. We thank you for joining us. And you can find us online at themusicsnobs.com. On SoundCloud, our full library streams at soundcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. Our Twitter handle is totalmusicsnobs. And our In The Mix series is streaming on mixcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. See you at episode 31.